Which we've been trying to get now for a solid. Oh, like, you've been ta- you've been coveting this bitch. I I remember you talking about this. We've been talking about. We've been trying to do this since August. Okay, since August. That, I mean, and really, we've be, been the Ravens are destroying the Jets. Well, they already need to watch them. this they game. Already beat them. Yeah, it's over. It's a final. But uh, I, uh, you trying to blind that a little bit? Maybe. Oh, we got you. Yeah. But I uh, look at you controlling things. Well, just you know, make, make you aware. Yeah, you know, we gotta be alert of what's going on in our surrounding, our environment. Sultan, do you ever watch novellas, dude? I never. No, I never got know. the Spanish novellas, dude. Shit's wild over there. It's all well, very the women cut and dry. All look great. Well, man. and it's all evil versus good. Like all the fucking female characters. Like there's always an evil aunt, or like, <laughs> and she always has dark hair. And then like the the main. Female is always a blonde person. Like who's, they, who's like a, the endearing character? Yeah, and is being wronged in some sort of way. <laughs> they're very much in the same. They're very much like their own soap operas. Like they got yeah, their exactly. Own, like their own kind of morality. And plays like the and actresses stuff. and actors will bounce around and do the same. Like different shows. Like they'll be there's like famous <laughs> novella stars who are just like I who just bounce do the around novellas. like three or four different shows. Yeah. Hey man, you know good for you know some. There was a time I used to look down on soap operas, you know, thinking, oh, they're kind of dumb and it's it's a big distraction for people. You know, <laughs> you know, hey, man, if you're making a check and you're enjoying it, who the hell am I to judge any of that? You know right. what I mean? Go ahead. Do what you do. OK. Is it high art? Well, I don't. I mean, what some people just want to watch something that's just kind of straightforward and, you know, kind of light, you know, and just entertaining. That's all. Yeah. You know? So people, yeah, that's one thing when you, when, you know, writing my script right now, it's like, you know, I, you know it's a dramedy, but I want to, yes, I want to take it seriously. I want to put my back into it. I want it to be good. I want it to be of quality, but I don't want to think like, my God, I'm changing the world. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like it's you kind of want, a basic premise. You don't want to take it too, because, well, and also when you take shit seriously like that, that's when it, you fucking jump off a building when nothing happens with it. Well, yeah, it. exactly. Like you build it up into some See, so, like, look here. I know. We got this. She's opening this. She looks like a fucking pioneer. Yeah, you never really know what time period it is. Like she's some sort of apothecary or something <laughs> like that. I like those walls in the background, man. Plus, she's a, she's pretty. Oh. They're all smoking hot. I know. I tell you what, man. And these are all Mexican or are they Spanish? No, they're Mexican. They're Mexican. These yeah, are I fucking mean, Mexicanos. Dude. I tell you what, man. Some Mexican women are beautiful. Some. I mean, I mean, they're beautiful. a little hairy. <laughs> Come on, can we not translate this fucking? <laughs> It's all in it's Spanish, which which I should learn. Oh, look at this. This is like this their is Game like of Thrones. Se- yeah, this is like it's set in the... <laughs> like El Sultan. Mo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's during the times of a sultan, you know? They have swords and stuff. It's I actually like the, cal- the, the color palette. You know, works for me. You know, it's like, it's what it is, you know? Yeah, well, we're flicking through. Got Dateline. Andy, my dad is watching this right now, probably. He can tell you... Like the second it pops on, he'll be like, "Oh, this is this episode." Oh yeah, he kn- he knows right away. I could do uh, yeah. that with Mash. Yeah, what's uh, the what's your show with that? Oh god, uh, what can I? Oh yeah, I know because I, I know I have one. I know it. God, what is it? Oh well, you know what it is. You know what it truly is. You're gonna be like, "Hello, Larry." No, no. <laughs> Star Trek Next Generation. No shit. Yes. I, you, I like know. You, you dove into that hard? Absolutely. In the early 90s, that was like a syndicated show. You know, I used to have, par- not, I didn't have parties. I remember but, you know, Deep Space Nine vividly. Deep, Deep Space Nine was. That, that had actor, lead actor just died this week. The guy who played the shape, shapeless guy. Really? You know, like, 
Yeah, he was also in Benson. He was the uh, chief of staff for the Wasn't governor. Wasn't Jerry Seinfeld in Benson? I think he had a few. I think he had a few cameos, like early, early Jerry Seinfeld. You yeah, need like, to fire the black. <laughs> well, it's housekeeper. Also, it's hilarious. He stole my fucking <laughs> Keith Hernandez card. <laughs> One thing I do respect about Seinfeld, I remember I saw him interviewed on Barbara Walters once, and he said, listen, I can't act. I realize I can't act. Yeah, he He's fucking like, owns I, it. I basically tell, I, I tell my lines, it's the three or four people around me that are actually doing the heavy lifting and making the show good. Yeah. You know? he, and he's basically kind of like the straight guy, which is fine. I mean, you need to have I mean, he had a role. He had, I, I think that's smart yeah, of him to be able to push his ego out of the way and say, okay, there's some real comedic talent here that I'm going to let Listen, kind of I'm here to cash checks <laughs> and slap tits. He, uh, I think he's uh, like close to a billionaire. <laughs> oh, he's got off be. a TV show. I, honestly, I think he's like worth nine hundred million dollars. That's a lot of money. I mean, we could look that up. I mean, come on, it, it's just God. girls' trip. What's girls' trip? Uh oh. It's about oh wait. It's oh it's kind of like a a comedy like Hangover for black chicks. I'll bet you five dollars that Tiffany Haddish is in this movie. <laughs> Yep, Ooh. Tiffany Haddish, bang, Ooh. Queen Latifah, Jada Smith, holy Christ, dude. Yeah, it's a cast. It's a ca- Jada Pinkett Smith had a, I remember her, you know the first movie I remember her from? Menace to Society. That's how I remember her She was from. in that, wasn't she? She was. She was She was pretty. She had braids. So who, is Look that how Haddish? how smooth that guy is. No, Tiffany Haddish is the other girl. Oh, that's Tiffany. Oh, Haddish. yeah. OK. So is that dude over her shoulder? Is that, that looks like a, I don't know. He looks like they've CGI'd his head to be very smooth. <laughs> the lighting and stuff and like the makeup. We're going to make you look good. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to look you like look you're going to look like a matte finished batting helmet by the time we're done with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All man. the Christmas shits on. They got all these fucking like. Me and Alicia have been watching these Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh, <laughs> like binging those? Well, yeah. yeah. They're, they're always just some variation of like, girl is, I'm just, I'm just getting over Todd and I'm down for Christmas. And then she's waiting for a job offer that she doesn't get. How and old are these women? 30s or 40s. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Up the well, usually late 20s. Okay, I've heard, yeah. I've yep. heard 29 being thrown around like, oh, yep. you old hag, you're 29. God, you better God. you better latch on to a fucking... Jesus. That message needs to just go away. You know, just I like... I mean, it is. I think it's just to play up the romantic plot of the well, movie, I, I mean, really. and, and that, you, you haven't had those thoughts. Of course, we're human. We've had those thoughts. But life is a complex thing. You know, the fact is, there's too many of us, all right? There's one thing the current state of the world tells me. There's too many human beings. One of the reasons why I don't, I, I am for abortion rights is just there's too many of us. You know, it's just like, do you want more human beings on this planet? Do this you movie's really got want 91 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, dude. so it's it's pretty good. People, like I mean, it. that doesn't mean dick. We'll see what the fucking audience score. Was. Hey, man, 78 percent audience score. I tell you what, having to, I mean, uh, arguing with a woman, don't do it well. Never have done it very well. We have nice arguments, me and Alicia. Are, like are they, I, are like they within parameters? Like, you know what we argue about is when I listen to Joe Rogan because she hates him. And I <laughs> I've never of, listened to him. I kind of think he'd be a, a dick. But, you know, like I got his place. Here's my whole thing. Like that's who cares? Like she gets upset that he doesn't she he doesn't press people like a journalist. 
that he kind of lets people go on and just talk shit. And that, then that's like, the reason why he gets the he, guests he gets. Well, and they want to form to just talk. Well, and that's and she goes, he's got like she she said, I think when you reach his level of success on YouTube and podcasting that like you have to make sure you're saying factual stuff. And that, and, that I agree with. That's a good point. And how do you determine that? And then it, it was all like we were just arguing about how like she's like he's a fucking sh- he he's a shitty guy. He said this about that. And I'm just like, who cares? Yeah, I'm just like, who cares? Like, what well, do they good put him podcast. on? Do they put him on? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, Keith. Do, I mean, does he? I mean, he, here's the knock I've heard from just hearsay. I also wasn't selling him well because I was like. I was like, he's not a bad guy. He just like he doesn't think trans people should fight in the UFC. Like I was just saying, like all the stuff that he anything. I was just making a list of like if he was gonna be an asshole about something, yeah. it would be these things. Yeah. And then she's like, you're not helping his case right now. And then I had her read an article from 2014 because there was this UFC fighter Fallon Fox who was. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know it was a longer period of time. So I think she fought in 2014 and in 06 she had transitioned from yeah. man to female. Yeah. So Joe Rogan's whole thing is like, you were a dude. So you like, shouldn't be You have to, the yeah. mass of a man. It would be like if Brock Lesnar transitioned into a woman and yeah. was like, now I want I want to fight in the women's division. Yeah, or, or yeah, or do what yeah, exactly. Like you would no. be like, no. Or you would be like, you can't, you have to lose muscle mass. Like, you can't be certain, that big. Certain regulations. You know, that was the same argument, Keith, I, I swear to God. This whole issue rears its head every once in a while. And I often wonder, like, what the forces are that are behind it. It's pitched as like, oh, it's equality and openness. But I think it's, you know, the right likes it, too, just to, like, flare shit up. You know, like, yeah. these fucking weirdos are out here. And it's like, ultimately, we shouldn't really give a shit, you know. And, and it was the same argument in the early 70s. Renee Richards was a guy who played in the minor league system of the Yankees, transitioned into a woman and, and played in the professional women's tennis circuit, you know. Uh, but, he, you know, was an athlete, played baseball, like probably had some athletic ability. And, and I don't know how well she played, but that was, like, a big debate, like, in the early 70s. Renee Richards. 73 you know yeah. so so this whole argument although you know something when i look back and i reflect back on this when i think of my teen years early 20s which if you're growing up at this time this is definitely an issue it's sort of in the discussion you know uh you know when i was it was called gender bending that that, that was sort of the you're playing with gender or you know hey there are transgender you know, or that was transvestites was the term that's probably now like that's like saying you know some racial slur or something you know but that's how it was described it's trans my, person that's like the you know i didn't mean to say it like disgusting oh no 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 dude you're, no, no you're i can I, someone someone could probably listen to this and be like oh you said it like you hate it no i i, I but trans person I, I would probably that. be the it's probably the most solid way to go about it you know and it's just i just it's just interesting that sort of it's part of the mix and the debate you know like what's but you, know, you think of David Bowie now granted David Bowie was a very much a guy David like anyway Bowie. anyone he was like a uh, metrosexual or well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah yeah he was definitely a, a urbane very hip urban you know London smart but uh and obviously, I was thinking, ooh, his sexual orientation. I think he definitely was probably bisexual for a time in his life. You know, I think he, I think he and Lou Reed had a thing I for a while. Cook every now and again. And I think he, I think he and Mick Jagger fooled around. Dude, some. Mick Jagger, Richard, and I heard Richard Pryor fucked a lot of dudes. Yeah, Pryor was supposedly gay. Like with he Paul had, Mooney. <laughs> that like I heard he fucked Paul Mooney. Well, yeah, I guess like there's this kind of famous story that. 
uh, it was yeah, Paul Mooney was kind of giving Richard Pryor shit, you know, was giving him shit for like his, you know, about you know about I think being, being kind of a fuck up, you know, and like, and, and I think he was kind of jealous of Pryor's success because Pryor was such a comedic god, you know, and, and was such a huge comic. But I guess they were arguing like, and this is in front of people, and Pryor was like, "You look at that spot on the floor. That's where I fucked you." <laughs> like he great. said that at like a party with like a lot of people around, you know. See, so here's here's the level, <laughs> you know. That- Here's the level that they pr- produce these Christmas movies on Hallmark. <laughs> so they, from like 2014 on, for... What's her face, man? It's like For plastic. two straight months, Crocious, they yeah. have three... Hallmark has three channels. <laughs> for two straight months, from November until Christmas, they play Christmas movies 24 hours a day. Literally from like early... No- like pr- pre-Thanksgiving. Yes. Like er- early... No- like post-Halloween... Yep. Like, God, people already got to fill It's called that. The Countdown to Christmas. Jesus And they'll Christ. have, like, so all of these act. a lot of these actors are in the same movie. It's like the novella shit. Like, they'll just, they're fucking failed actors who are like, this is the only Hallmark hires me. That's who'd, Scott who'd, Wolf, dude. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And that's that broad from 30 Rock, Ch- Ch- Brenda Chenoweth or whatever the fuck, Kristen Jesus. Chenoweth. It's, a, it's amazing. Like, look at the plot to this. You know how I was saying, like, girl yeah. just broken up, looking for love. Yeah. Got a job offer that she didn't get, so she had to accept the lesser <laughs> job offer that's taken me to bumfuck Colorado <laughs> during Christmas. Interesting. And I, and I met Scott Wolf, and here, like... We're, a youth choir director must write the title song for the Christmas Eve show, but becomes distracted when a gifted boy, germs, <laughs> retarded, uh, a joins gifted her joy. choir unbeknownst to his widowed father, Greg. <laughs> and that's Greg. Scott Wolf is Greg. So his let, tar- let, so I his wa- tar- I want to read it too. I want to be. I want to read it too. So I want to read it. Yeah. Because okay, here it is. I just want to read it too. A youth choir director. That's him, Wolf, right? No, must, that's Chenoweth. Oh, it's Chenoweth. Okay. Must write the title song for the Christmas Eve show, but becomes distracted when a gifted boy joins her choir. Um, but, oh, 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 so it's so a gifted boy. Oh, okay. So his fucking faggy, retarded son joined the choir without him knowing. But then she thinks there's potential here, right? Maybe. Maybe. Hey, well, they probably, he probably, I, I'm calling it that they met adversarially that he was mad that the kid joined choir like why didn't you contact me like look how look how gay he is i want him to play football it's i mean he was in party of five right was he he yeah dude you can totally see the movie go you can tell he's got fake teeth dude what it looks like he's got fucking dentures what i like about these movies and these actors is you can tell when they came up in hollywood 20 years ago it was like you look like a little bit of a young tom cruise yeah. we could fit you in you oh cameron diaz a little bit like there's a, like a look of her. she's hot right now yeah we'll put you in you he know looks it's like, like whatever happened to roger ebert is beginning to happen to scott wolf <laughs> well he's losing like his he's, he's got crow's feet neck. on his chin yeah, he's getting a turkey neck, and you can tell he's like, cause he's you know still kind of a handsome guy. They always look how sure. big his kid. Look how big he is, and you got him singing. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like he's a gifted sort of big kid. That Why could don't be you an squat athlete? down and show her your three point son? <laughs> he also plays a right tackle. You know, he's not good enough to be a left tackle. He plays right tackle. So he's yeah, got some that's athletic the shit ability. Tackle. That's the left field of fucking but, the but offensive line. Th- that that was a plot line of an old Brady Bunch episode <laughs> where Peter joined the Glee Club. And when he get, was going through puberty. Well, no, no that, that was a different one. It was, it's similar to it. It's a similar singing episode. Time to change. You've, You've got, got to rearrange. rearrange. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a famous one. 
I, I one time I could name every Brady Bunch episode when I was like sixteen. That's a good show. See, that know? show was rotated heavily as a kid. For Absolutely, me. that was reruns. There must have been no to fucking this day, rights on that man because that 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 Gilligan's Island they fucking played those reruns because they weren't paying them anything, you know. But no, no. But, but always a scene where they're purchasing some sort of tree, yeah, or, or walking wreath through. or something. And here's what's or, great about this because I've, no, I don't mean to brag. I've been in a movie like this. I was in a a, a <laughs> bounce network Christmas movie. <laughs> what, like when you were a kid or something? Or yeah, these Christmas movies are filmed in the summer. It's this is probably Burbank, and they put fucking white powder on the ground. I know, isn't that amazing? And the they have to wear so good. They have to, it's eighty degrees, and they have to wear fucking winter jackets. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you don't see their breath. It's like no, this is really well. They have to do it for climate change. This is what it's going to be like when we celebrate Christmas in northern Minnesota in twenty years. You have to get get used to like. It being 80 degrees. So this is a Christmas love story. At 10 o'clock, we got Once Upon a Holiday. And when a royal princess runs away from her official obligation and duties to see how normal people live, (laughs) she starts to fall in love with a good Samaritan who is unaware of her real identity. What? These are so geared to like like lame women, aren't they? Women in their weird women women fantasies in their (laughs) late 40s to early 50s who are fucking hags and couldn't and don't get laid ever and like are just they don't. It's not happening for them. So they yeah. watch these stories about love developing and coming to fruition and they cry and then they uh. finger themselves to sleep. Oh, God. That's a horrible, like... I mean, I'm I, not I, against it. I, I, <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm not big into the word sad because it's so overused. Seasonal affective the, the, disorder? No, but the fucking adjective sad. I am so sick of that word. It is so overused by this fucking current zeitgeist we have. Isn't it sad? Someone at work Jason. asked me what zeitgeist meant, and I couldn't tell him. I'm just like, you know, like the everything. Like it's it's the kind of the, the uh, philosophy of the current state of things. And, and sort of like the culture and kind of what's going yeah. on. Certain like parlance and words that are sort of popular popular right now you know it was like it was like what Tai Bo was in 1999 is what or go there was in 1997 is is what sad is now and and I just don't like the word I don't like it I find it passive and weak okay you know some don't get sad get mad that's what you got to do you got to get well mad. that's not healthy either well, I'm not saying it's healthy but come on man here's what's what you going on right do. now isn't healthy here's what you got to do you got to let yourself experience these emotions regardless of whether it's Wait, happy or sad. Yeah, don't deny and it. And then you got to fucking get at it and like get, not just get, it's not more of a snap yourself out of it, but just like a figure it out. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You could fucking be down and like you got to get it out and be if you get broken up with, dude, be sad for be sad yeah. for a week. Yeah. But like you better hope you have good friends. That's when your fucking your crew comes yeah. into play. Yeah, absolutely. And you have, you have a support like if, network if you, out there. If you got people just letting you be sad about a girl, dude, no one likes you. Ooh. Oh yeah, dude. You need someone to be like, dude, get the fuck up. We're going to fucking do drugs in the woods. Like, shut dude. the fuck up. This broad isn't. It's not worth it. Like, she stinks. We never liked her. That's when the truth comes out. Yeah. Yeah, we never liked her. She talked shit about you every time you weren't there. She tried to fuck Daryl, like Ooh, all that stuff. That's horrible. Yeah, she's bad news. Um, this is not a pretend person. Oh, I was but gonna I've, say, but yeah. I've also had that flipped of female friends where I'm just like, dude, that guy was an asshole. Yeah, he talks so much shit about you all the time. I wanted to I tell knock you what, him man, out several times. I mean, as I've said before in this on this uh, esteemed show, we haven't gotten into the deep the deep cuts of my past. Um, 
Yeah, I think about my late 20s. I only had my heart ripped out three times in my life. Riff. Amanda Rip. No, no, no. Honestly, those women, I was very, when it ended, it was like two to three weeks of like, oh, it was a very much a jarring change. Like, oh, this is someone who had been part of my life for like almost well, two years. You want to tell you know this what I mean? on air? You told me that one of the best stories off air about yeah. when you broke up, you joined a semi cult. Oh, yeah. Well, see, and, and that was kind of how I was setting this up is that uh, my late, it happened when I was 19, which I was a kid. Very first girl that I could truly tell was attracted to me. I knew other girls liked me in high school, and I kind of fooled around a little bit, but I think I was, I was just too afraid, you know? Young, 16, 17. That's when you probably should have been like, 16, hey, 17, you know? To, a, a fairly well-pubed young boy. You know, I, I didn't hit puberty, dude. This is the truth until I was 16 years old. When I was 14 and in my early 15 years, first half of 15, I was basically like a nine-year-old boy in my body. It's basically what it was. Peach fuzz on that And all of a sudden, sacaroo. it was like, boom. Like, within six months, it was like, I really hit the you puberty got there. thing. Yeah, I, but, it, but it was like until I was like 16 and say six months. I mean, I was 16 and a half, 16. It's part of the reason why I look kind of young right now for my age. But my point is, I, I was a little overwhelmed by it. But I, it was the very first girl that I really was like, uh, she likes me. She gets the jokes. She gets my humor. I mean, she really fucking thought I was funny. But some other dude on my dorm floor who was a complete tool, was a complete tool, just fucking swooped in. And and, and that was always a motif that w- that went on with the three women I you, got my you heart got ripped You got swooped down. in on? Yeah, yeah. And it's always like, I don't get why she's not, well, maybe I have to make the move on that. But it was now, other, other do dynamics you think going it was, on, too. Do you think it was because people saw you as someone, like, I could swoop in on this guy? Yes. Like he's yeah. tall. Like, do you, I wonder if people are like, dude, this guy talks so much shit. Like he thinks he's hilarious. Oh, like, no. well, oh, or, or, or and I was also like, very, I bet you I could fuck this guy's girl. Or, or also just like, yeah, he's just such a loud mouth, you know? So, uh, um, and at that time I was very argumentative, very argumentative. This guy fucking, I mean, he totally like, uh, and he was a complete moron. He was a type of guy. You ever had a friend or knew someone who would drink too much and, and, they, and they had an entirely different personality? They would get into fights and shit, you know, and like shove people around and start throwing punches. And like literally, if it got really bad, like two or three guys had to like suppress him. You know what I mean? Like put him to the ground and just like, like he was one of those guys, you know, like he was dealing with some really bad issues. Also, huge Republican. Guarantee you he's a huge Trump guy. Right now, this this day as we speak, huge asshole Republican. Oh yeah, you know yeah. This is like Reagan, like white Reagan pricks. You know, this is in Madison. Oh, Madison's this left wing school. No man, you get people from fucking the small towns in there. I mean, there's some there's some hicks in there. You know, it, it, there's this illusion of it being you know whatever. But anyway, so that that happened. I remember that just that ripped my heart out. It was also she had a, a roommate she lived with that she was friends with from high school. That was totally this woman very threatened by my presence. Didn't like the fact that I was taking attention away from this woman Maggie. Did not it's like, like so it. So I married and, an axe murderer. You know, and, and, and like undermined me. And I was all I was so naive. She is Miss X. It was the first time that I was ever like really undermined and, and just out. Flanked, you know, just outflanked. I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't assertive. I don't know what I was. I, it just didn't work. And at that point, you don't have the experience to realize sometimes shit just doesn't work out. And sometimes it does work out, you know. So it's like, it was like very devastating. I, I was in a real bad headspace over that one. And I think I ended up doing, basically, I got involved in, oh, I don't know, that wasn't therapy. And I just think about it. God, it was only a year and a half later, which it's only a year and a half of time. But at that age, you felt so much more like older. Like, oh my God, I've grown up now. I'm a year and a half older. Like, and then you you're know? always like, "That was the big breakup." Now, like, well, I've learned, but but I never even got. Well, I never well, even hooked up with her. You know what I mean? I never you're just like, with her. "That'll never happen again." 
yeah, or like, yeah, how can I be so foolish or, you know, whatever. Well, then I, I fucking, you know what it was? I, I didn't express myself to the woman the first time. I thought, well, that's the problem. You got to express yourself to her. No, 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 no. You do in very subtle ways. It cannot be. It cannot be. Is that like what it sounds like when you eat box. You know. <laughs> no, 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 no. I do my work well. I might add. I've been told I'm a master by multiple women. Did Amanda like, Rip say you're a master? She didn't like it when I was doing the work. She didn't like that. Although she did her job all the time. Dude, I, that to me is always a sign of some sort of some shit happened. Yeah, if you don't... I dated a girl who, like, I went to take her underwear off yeah. to go down, and she fucking grabbed my hands when Ooh, I hit her yeah. hips, and she was like, I don't like it. Oh. And I was like, okay. But immediately, I was just like, something happened. Yeah, yeah, that's a like, little bit... There's, like, that like that was, like, a yeah. f- an immediate a no. A flashback of an some sort. An immediate no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is strong. That's strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I and then bit- we dated for a while, and she told me, I remember... When she was like, one day I'll let you go down on me. Like, but I guess she was like, I have to be really comfortable with somebody. Yeah, I get that. And then, I get and that. then you know what? Selfishly, look at all those networks they have. I know. <laughs> uh, we're still on the Hallmark channel. I think yep. this is, I think we're going to fucking just rest on Hallmark and just they, they, babble. <laughs> they had Hallmark. Like, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame when I was a kid was a Hallmark movie. But I remember, I like so seven. she dumped me before she let me go down on her. And I remember being like, God damn it. Yeah, it's not. Well, you know, it's. But that's a good thing to regret. Like that's, I feel like after all these years, when you think about a past breakup, that's the thing you want to regret. Like you don't want to be like, oh, what could have been with our love. You're just like, ah, I never got the eater out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like it. That, that's a good attitude because I, I know for that's me, so fucking pointless and like, ah, uh, whatever. I didn't get the eater box. That's what I missed <laughs> out on. That's what I missed out on. In don't the you want to have more depth than that? Come Her on. parents would have hated me. Yeah. Like I, I thought back on it like recently. Recently, actually because she has like a family now and a kid and stuff and like a good life yeah and i thought about like i was like dude her parents would have hated me it would have been a nightmare i probably would have had to quit comedy to seriously date her because like she her family's all greek and shit and they're all about making that fucking scratchola dude like they're not about pursuing your dreams unless that dream makes a lot of money exactly immediately yeah what yeah it's yeah i mean that's which i get dude you know, I, that's always been one of, dude, it's, what do you think one of my issues for not being married, man? It's just like, you know, I just don't want to deal want with that money. I, no, it isn't that isn't the money thing. I'm not worried about that as much. I just because but trust me, I'm going to work. I, oh, I, and I don't know if people know this. I've seen the statements. Yeah. Crow's got that. Crow's got. I got little, some coin. Got a little not bit. Not a money. lot, but some. But enough, I should. You're, you're doing OK in L.A. Yeah. Like yeah, you no. don't have to worry like you're. You like you're never tripping on like I'm gonna be late on my electric bill. Or oh, I'm never, late never. On no, I set my life up not to be that way because I've been that way in my past, and I hate that feeling. I hate it as much as anything. So people say, "Oh, you're cheap." No, no. You just need to save money. I, I, I've been flat broke. I was flat broke, Keith, when I was 37. Not flat broke at 27. I accept that at 37, flat broke. There's some, with a degree from the University of Chicago. But you know what I mean? Like working some because I was trying to do other things. So I will never let that happen again. So I, I really have put a shitload of money towards my retirement. Like the last 12 years, I've shoved a good couple hundred thousand, you know, 250,000 bucks, probably 300,000 bucks. Because you have to and have that. you've invested a little. Yeah, well, and it's, yeah, I've invested them. But I want to get back Dude, to Dude, that's the, a long play. The, yeah, exactly. The, the breakup thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got to get to you joining this cult. Yeah. So then the second one was a different woman. 
And what I felt like I did wrong with the first one was, oh, I didn't express myself enough, or I wasn't, you know, I was like, you know, it was just like, no, don't, you don't come off too strong. You cannot do that. And, and that's a real struggle for me, personality-wise, you know. It takes a particular type of person to like my personality. You know, some people, I, I come off a little oh, strong yeah. to, to some oh, people. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. You know, and people don't really know how to take a lot of it. And it's I just know like, people who like you who are, who are like, dude, I can only be around Croatia for like an hour and a half. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, it's what's well, too intense. I'm sure for him. You know, I mean, it just whatever, just my personality and stuff, my idiosyncrasies. Um, you know, and I hear that and you can say, oh, aren't you hurt by that? No, there no. are some people who really get me and understand. I, me. No one wants to be. I feel like anyone who wants someone to be around him all the time, like that's a really lonely person. Yeah. <laughs> like you're overcompensating. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you know? Are you tripping if you're alone a little bit? Dude, I, I love being oh, alone. Oh, it, it, for me, it recharges my batteries. I'm able people, to function. A lot of comedians always trip because I, I don't cheat at all. I'm very faithful. I like take pride in like not ever being even when you're tempted. Like it's L.A. There's fucking hot women. Yeah, yeah. And there's hot dudes everywhere. Yeah. Like if you're, and they're always just like you don't cheat, and I'm just like no, dude. It's just not. Yeah. It's not I, worth it. I, I I I've never cheated on a girlfriend because I I just know first if it happened to me. I wouldn't like the feeling. You know what but I mean? Even and, I say, even I say, I was like, I don't, I like being alone. Yeah. Like, why would I want to fucking, why would I want that stress in my life? Well, I know. And some guys, it's, it's, it, I, and I, then I, the people who bring it here, like when you left that wine bottle. Yeah. Alicia joked. She was just like, oh, I was wondering, did he have a girl over? And I was <laughs> just like, oh God, no. <laughs> and then I was thinking, I was like, why would I bring her back here? I know, I know. <laughs> like, if you're gonna cheat, you need to have at least two bedroom apartment, like a bat. A, a you pad need a, you somewhere. need a shame room <laughs> where you could go at least be. That would be too much guilt to like have sex with someone else in this studio apartment and then have Alicia like in the stank. Oh, I know. It'd be weird. You, there'd be no way to hide that. Yeah. Yeah. She's got that vibe. Like, I remember she joked around one time, too, because I was talking about John Legend. He wrote a song about cheating on your girl. And, like, yeah. the whole premise of the song is, like, yeah, I cheat on you, but, like, you're my number one girl. Like, I love you. Oh, yeah. Like, it, I'm coming home to you. Like, don't yeah. trip. Like, I'm, I'm playing around with these fucking hood, hood rats, but, like, you're my number one. <sighs> I think a lot of women don't, that they struggle with that. I don't and, think it's uh, an easy thing for a woman to accept. And she looked at they're me and not, she was, like, they're not hard she goes, believe way. me. She goes, if you ever cheat on me, I'll know. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not doubting it. Yeah. Like, it, I'm sure you probably just have some intuition. Yeah. No, yeah, the, the whole cheating thing, I just never... I, I, ne I also, for the same reason you said, too, these guys you know who have, like... A couple women, and I mean like three or four. Dude, I know some people. How can you juggle that? I, I, I find it, it's work to be with a woman. I, mean, I it's know a good some thing. people. It's satisfying in a lot of ways. Who get on their high horse about canceling people and this person's problematic. And I always want to be like, dude, you cheat on, you've cheated on every girlfriend you've had. And yeah, I, yeah, and you're, I overcompensating. you're overcompensating. You're like, overcompensating. It's just people conscience. who preach about how people need to be this way. And it's just like, dude, I know for a fact that you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And you're up here on Twitter talking this fucking talking yeah. about how Louis C.K. is a fucking pervert. Like, know, get the what? fuck out of here, dude. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, because, yeah, I, you know, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, I try not to do. I've always prided myself. I've engaged a few times with minor skirmishes online. I've refused to actually have an argument online with someone. I, I, I just find that to be uh, foolish. I, I, I don't. 
I don't know. I don't think it accomplishes anything. It just it and it's kind of weak. If you're going to truly have beef with someone, I think you got to be a little. Look at here, Scott face. Scott Wolf's obligatory job, where he pay, how he pays for his giant house. He just they said, always he do a good job of that in these movies, though, because the people, the characters in them, are always very wealthy. Even like the young guns who are like at an internship, like yeah. their dad's a surgeon, and they're like. Going to like they had a Candace Cameron movie where she had to go to this bumfuck Alaskan town. She got shot down for an internship in a big city. Yeah. It's like a fish out of water tale. Yeah. Here's the Christmas twist. The town she went to as the movie's going on. You're realizing Crocious. She lives in the North Pole. Oh, oh, and that unfolds. And she's like the town doctor and the old man who runs the toy factory is Santa Claus. Oh, my Lord. And I told I like me and Alicia God. were watching it. I go, have they low key? I was like, are they low key trying to fucking push the idea that this is the North Pole? And she was like, oh, they're not being low key about it. <laughs> yeah, it's she not lives subtle. in the North Pole. Because oh, they're like, she's she always complains, but she's like, I ordered something on Amazon and it they canceled my order. And she was like, oh yeah, we make this town hard to find. Like the town jokes about like, oh, it's hard to find us up here in Alaska. God. Like giving little clues like that, like, yeah. But I mean, that is so corny. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's little girl, like six-year-old girl stories. Like, See, so on the but next yeah, there's channel. a mature, mature theme of relationships. But money is also a thing in there too. It's oh, it's so gross. Oh, so and then we, ah! <laughs> we have this one. So bad. What's Northern Lights of Christmas? Zoe has been working hard to own sorry, her sorry. own. Sorry, sorry. One of my least favorite first names for a girl. Zoe. Zoe. Okay. Zoe has been working hard to own her own plane. <laughs> but everything changes when she inherits a reindeer farm. Oh. Oh, my God. I run away. Now, now buried, buried in, in taking care of the farm and all of the Christmas responsibilities, Zoe thinks life has delivered her a strange blow. <sighs> Yeah, there's that element, too. Like, oh, my God, the responsibilities. Listen, listen, okay? Listen, don't get into a tizzy. Try to enjoy it a little bit. Yeah, try to relax a turkey, little bit, you, you know? Whore. No, I mean, no, sir, just, you know, try to have some fun with it. But I just, that's one of the things, too, Keith. I'm, I'm revealing some crap on this podcast. One of my fears about marriage, too, is that I just don't want to have to deal with the anxiety that this wife is going to have. You're supposed to be enjoying See, they your tell marriage. you what year it came out, too. Look in the bottom. Northern Lights of Christmas, 2018. And this is Hallmark Movies and Mysteries Channel, so that means that this has scenes where it's at it's nighttime. <laughs> the other ones, it's just day t- daylight all the time. It's like a fucking, it's like a bounty commercial all Bizarre. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the color palette, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the lighting and shows a certain sheen to it's it. It's like a two-hour Old Navy yeah. commercial. <laughs> Yeah, they're it's great just, it's, this is all me and alicia watch this is the end see this this one's oh, closing okay. out at nine yeah, yeah because this is the last kiss. minute dude they finally kissed and they never fuck it's always them like flirting with each other the whole movie and then there'll be one character who was just like you love travis and she's like no and then they kiss with the northern lights these above. aren't liberated though you know go have sex like it's, but it's a, they it's, imply it. It, it. Obviously, it's the innocence of it all, though. And they the had one, and, and on the movies and mysteries, one they'll have like postcoital, like she'll be in a flannel, oh, okay. walking around, never smoking shit. a cigarette. Obviously, people don't smoke uh, inside now. Are you a <laughs> psychopath? 
it, it is i have to i'm old enough to remember the era of like people smoking in a car my old man used to smoke in the car while driving me this is the truth drive me off i think i said this before drive me from my my, my farm to my mom's place when they were divorced and I, it was his week christmas in montana and, premiere saturday and he would have a freshly filled beef eaters gin gin drink smoking a cigarette and, and the car the cabin of the car just reeking of cigarettes and gin like driving like 20 minute drive to drop me off because it's it's how he had to like get himself up for it you know what i mean like he had to get a, get his booze on and i think he had to drink for the uh for the drive back you know oh that ashley williams chick is in multiple of these movies let me look her up. oh god these are just so god well gee absolutely peyton lipinski not tara by the way what i'm looking forward to are the winter olympics in february are the winter olympics in 2020 are they around the corner? Yeah, I think so. Or are they so. 2022? Fuck, I think they're 2022. I think it's probably 2000. Was it, was it 2018 when they won the Olympics? Yeah, it was. We got to look it up because I, I find the Winter Olympics because I was just thinking about this. They're great. <laughs> hockey and shit. Well, 2022. Cool. Shit. Where, is it in Tokyo? Uh, or Tokyo's 24th of summer? Beijing. Oh, oh, they're, they're in China. It's always places with mountains. Because you need the yeah, snowboarders the snow and, shit. and stuff. Yeah. God, how about that? Yeah, 2014 was the Sochi Olympics, which were so fucking. That's where you corrupt. find out the fucking low key countries, like Sochi. What was the one of the? Winter well, Sochi Olympics? was was is Russia, you know, and, and that was the boondoggle. Nagano, Nagano was the one where I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah, Nagano. Yeah, is it was that uh, 98? I say 98 was uh was O two Salt Lake City. Yes. Look at these guys. Look at this. They're, they look like, I mean, who's the man and who's the woman here? Seriously, look at this. Keith, Keith, who's the man and who's the woman? Oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> Holy Christ, you're right. I mean, is there, is there a trans thing going on here? Because the, the, the delivery guy is shorter than her. And he has she's no like, eyebrows. He looks like a, he looks like fucking a chemo Rhea, patient. He looks okay. like Rhea Butcher. Or, 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 or <laughs> powder. He looks like powder. Yeah, you know? Sean Patrick Flannery. <laughs> but which it's is just, probably Sean Flannery's name. <laughs> yeah, look at her. She's like a, like a, like an old swimmer. You know, she's got some girth to oh, her. Oh, they're you know all tight, I mean? dude. All yeah, these I mean, they're women in shape. Yeah, they're in shape. There's no thought about that. What's the plot to this boy right here? Oh, it's just it looks gruesome. While planning an annual Christmas party, Peyton is forced together with Ben to care for a friend's daughter. Oh, so it's like an ailment, maybe, or someone. A, a yeah, and like Ben's a, clearly her opposite. She's gonna clash with Ben. Yeah, and then they have she, different and then they're theories. Gonna fucking clash uglies. And, and then at the yeah, at, at the end, they're gonna like yeah, they're gonna figure it out and be like, God, I actually like you. Um, Look at that so, big leather planner. Only bitches have big leather planners like that. My, <laughs> my second one, my second was, again, expressing myself too soon. Also, props to this old guy for landing such a hot wife. Like, look at him. He's not fucking, he's, he's clearly a bottom at this, at his age. He's got himself a nice blonde rocket up top. <laughs> Is that like... He's like the supportive, gentle old guy. Yeah, just like support her probably. ideas. Don't undermine her ideas. I imagine that's Paul Campbell. Do. Peyton Lipinski sounds like a fucking skater. Why? Well, I was saying that's Tamara Lipinski. That's what I want to say. Or Tara Lipinski. Yeah. That's why the brother, right? And I'm sure we're going to notice it. Well, uh, Peyton, he's probably the guy who was a del- the UPS guy. You know, so I, I guarantee you, like the <laughs> this old fuck is probably going to drop at some point, and they're going to have to take care of him. <laughs> oh no, it's a friend's daughter. 
Yeah, so, but my point is with Lipinski, what I'm looking forward to, the, when it's Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski doing figure skating, it is like, my fantasy is, after they get done with their telecast, do they go back to her hotel room and play with her My Little Pony collection? I mean, it is all those, so... They're also their children, yeah. <laughs> and I've heard that being in, into gymnastics like that stops your menstrual cycle, so like... Well, it's not gymnastics, a lot it's of ice the, skating. A lot of those women don't go through puberty until they retire. Oh. Like, that's why they look like children when they're, like, 19, oh. because they literally just they don't have boobs yet. They probably, yeah. I wonder if that's, like, seriously, I wonder if, the, if that's the emotional side of it. You know what I mean? Where it's, like. Probably, it's probably at the, there's probably a lot of roid, roids going on probably, at that time. But too. also, like, that, that the mental side and also the need when you're a gymnast to be small and fit, to be very tight with tight. your moves and stuff. It's, like. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure. I can tell you, my, my friend who's tight with your moves and tight with your poopers. My uh, my my, uh, my, uh, my friend's uh, daughter, who's a ballerina, who starred in the uh, Philadelphia uh, production of The Nutcracker three years in a row during Christmas time, when she was like nine, ten, and eleven. You know, so I actually got some exposure to the, that ballet. Where I went and saw a ballet that uh, John Lithgow sat behind me at, directly behind me. Uh, and I actually met John him. John Lithgow sat behind you. Rachel Dratch watched the fucking Oscars I, with you. I actually, yeah, well, not Dratch. It was, it was Tina Fey. She sat right next to me. I mean, literally, it was like we were t- hip to hip, right side to right side, right side, my right side to left side. You know. But anyway, your um, talents touched. Yeah, when she was, and she knew. I mean, I was a no- I was known. She thought you were funny. <laughs> so anyway, that's one of those parties where like she was probably enough in the scene where like. You're like I'm doing okay. I've I've been invited to the same party as oh, Tina Fey. Oh yeah, absolutely. And a lot of Second City folks like that. Jack McBrayer, you know, a lot of and, and Dratch, you know, dropping names, took me nowhere. That's the one part of comedy that I always hate that it makes you, it makes you have to like take that shit as like feathers in your caps of like, oh that's cool. I got to go to this party. Yeah, and stuff I like know, that. which is like lame. Like, no, you like, should. I yeah. find myself bragging about like. Oh yeah, one night I Michael Che did a show and we went to a bar after and like I just gotta be like, dude, who gives a fuck? Stupid. I know it's like you, you do. I mean, the only information on that is like, okay, I have enough on the ball, you know, that I can sustain a conversation. I have some witty lines on occasion, you know. Okay, so then then I have to make get better and and, and do that, you know, and actually follow through on stuff and work and actually have some stuff. Well, happen. I think there's always something in your head of just like, oh, if I mention that I've hung out with funny comics, people will also oh, so think, think I'm a good comic. Yeah, it's like, no, just do just your be funny. thing. Just, yeah, just do your thing. But no, that's but, really what I've been worrying about and that I, for the, the year I've been out here, I've made some good strides, but I've really focused too much on networking and like f- that shit to where I was just like, oh, I just haven't been focusing on being funny every time I'm on stage. Yeah, just, just try to do I've your best job. I've been too strategic about it. I mean, you know, um, it's good to have a strategy because, you know, I should have one. I guess I have a vague strategy, but I think you have to have the product at the right time. When I look back at my career, when I had opportunities young, you know, uh, I, I didn't realize how good the opportunities truly were. Oh, here we go. I, I thought they were always going to be happening, you know. Oh, is this where they, they almost said a reindeer? They both stared at the same reindeer and swerved off together. And now they're going to meet. Oh, God. Oh, look at that. Opposite. His car's gray. Her car's red. And, She's and wearing a red jacket. The, her, their clothes match their cars. Exactly. And then also, but the highway was like dry. <laughs> you know, they don't know true Midwestern driving, which I'm, I'm actually not looking forward to. Though. I'm flying back a week from Saturday to Chicago. I'm, I'm so back Tuesday the 24th. Oh, 
I'm so I'm so looking forward to just just getting back because I've been busting my fucking hump at my job, like just working I've really been hard, breaking my hip. I've been I've been busting food on this table, busting my ass. Had some breakthroughs this week. Have more stuff to do. It's it's you know. The and by bre- breakthroughs, guys, he means he's cried heavily alone in a room. You know, I know. You know, I'm I'm never a big one. Yeah, I know. This that. is how the fucking cult came up because I yeah. said one of our friends needs to cry, and. You broke up. I don't think we ever got to you joining this call yet. Yeah. So second breakup, got my heart ripped out. Jen Westfall happened on December 7th, 1990. My own personal Pearl Harbor Day, you know, uh, which I called it. Uh, it, it is, uh, and she. Re- Did I mean, this she, happen in the condo that I know of? The no, oh, this is 1990. Dude. Okay. This is in college. I wasn't even in Chicago. I was okay. still in college. Um, and, and it just, uh, I really, I mean. So it, the cult was in Madison. No, cult was actually in Chicago. Okay. We'll get to it. It happened twice, 19 and 21. Then I finally met my first girlfriend. When I look back on, on a very positive thing in my life, my very first girlfriend, meeting her and like having a sustained relationship for two years, moving to Chicago because she was down, down in Chicago. So took my life in a different direction. Very positive experience. Worked out a lot of pent-up sexual frustration, which was very good, very healthy. A good first girlfriend, you know. One of my favorite memories is walking past Jen Westfall, which Jen Westfall was working at this restaurant, arm around my girlfriend. We were having the best day of our life. When I look back on that, that was a very satisfying moment. You know? I always love when people say that. So sidebar, I'll let you get back to it. Yeah. When I was a kid, we went all went to a Sox game because my dad would get free Sox tickets because he was with the company building the new park. Yeah, so he we was were, mobbed up. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh we took a bunch of people to the Sox game. My dad's friend Ken Opit took his son Little Kenny, and after the game, we were driving back, and Little Kenny looked at my dad and goes, "Hey, uh, Steve, isn't this the gr- is this not the greatest day of your life?" And like I remember, we all made fun of this kid horribly because he thought going to a White Sox game was the greatest day of his life. Well, you know, <coughs> but just the way he said it was so like, "Hey, Steve, isn't this the, the greatest day of your life?" Where it was like, yeah. "This is it." Like, well, maybe it is for him. You know, I maybe know. simple pleasures are, are good. But that's for him. always something. Whenever I'm gonna take his side, whenever we would bring up little Kenny, we would go, "Hey, this is the greatest <laughs> day of your life." Well, how old was he? I don't know, like fucking seven. Well, he's seven. You're no, making fun he of was him? like thirteen. He's thirteen. He might have been a little f- older. Anyway, so <laughs> he should have had more glory moments, but besides seeing, but, but fucking that, that felt like a very positive Pudge moment. fucking Carlton. <laughs> that was a very good moment for me. So I thought, okay. Got that relationship under my belt. You mature. I'm in the city. Get some stank on you know, that wang. Trying try, try to get involved uh, again. It's not going very 90 well. 90 was Bush president still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, Ooh, Iraq. Iraq, Ar- won. Iraq. Yeah, Iraq won. Absolutely. I mean, I remember that was... Uh, the trees in my hometown were wrapped with yellow ribbons. Th- that was the true end of the Vietnam syndrome. The Vietnam syndrome. It was a new war. A, well, because it was like... I mean, that's what Bush said. He's like, we finally kicked that Nam thing. Because it, 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 it like we got a new addiction now, and it's called the Middle East. You know, well, yeah, of course. Um, We're addicted to oil now, baby. Well, I always, always have been. The world is. And it's not just us; it's the entire planet. Hence, the reason why there's so much such battle over it. But anyway, uh, um, so okay, I thought I'm mature enough. You know, I go to grad school. I still hadn't had a girl, another girlfriend. I had one girlfriend. This grad school's in Chicago. That's Chicago University, University of Chicago. Chicago. I'm 28. I've had one girlfriend. That's it. High suicide no. rate. Tense uh, yeah. school. Tense Be- situation. Yeah, very. Second highest suicide rate of any cow behind Because I remember when you told me this story a couple of weeks ago, you emphasized that, like, 
it was this breakup compounded with how fucking stressful grad school yeah, was. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my life was, I was being forced into maturation. I was 28 years old. And I, I had kind of created in my mind a scenario of, I'm going to meet a woman in graduate school. Hey, you know, we're going to have similar interests, similar outlooks. We're both like embarking on very f- uh, final career paths. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Like we're figuring yeah, it out. Yeah, if I meet yeah. a woman, well, we're both like, we'll grow, we have to grow together. Yeah. Hey, you know, we're kind of at the same place. I, you know? I think of the grief I went through when I would like how it sidetracked me with breakups, just doing open mics and bar shows. I could imagine like the weight of grad school because that has consequences. Oh, yeah. Like if I fail in stand up, I just go work for the fucking parks department <laughs> and then I'll it's which would probably be a step up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I, I should cr- probably just go work for the parks department. <laughs> exactly. The moral of the story is that's what you should do, Keith. But yeah, so I uh I uh I had created this and I sort of I think I wanted to put someone into that into that mold, if that makes sense, to fit that piece into that mold of what kind of what I wanted, I think. You know, of like so there's a woman I, I went to grad school with, and her last name was with a K, and there's a different one with a last name K, and my last name's a K. And you could tell it was like, we're going to put you in the student housing. And all of our apartments were above each other. I, I was, I was uh, above Ray, Rachel Kelly, Adam Crocious, Evie Kostakis. So the three of us, and this key to the story, is Evie, very pretty woman, Greek. That's why the Greek thing reminded me of it. Yeah. Greek. Uh, and, uh, you know, her parents were paying for college at the University of Chicago. She got a new car in Chicago. Her <clears> parents <throat> had cash. A- any foreign student at the University of Chicago and it's always came from money. I remember my ex told me, because we, we were talking about young people having kids, and she said, like, she goes, I don't want to have a kid, but if it happened... I do have the means to take care of one. Oh, yeah. And like she had told me, she was like, my parents did good for themselves. Like they have good jobs. She goes, but my grandparents are wealthy. Yeah. Like that was her quote. Like yeah. her her grandpa had a marker factory. Oh. He like sold markers that write, you can write on a surfboard and it yep. won't wash off. Yeah. And then like when I met her mom, she had told me, oh, by the way, they call her Papu because it's Yaya and yeah. Papu. It's like the Greek shit. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I didn't, forgot to tell you, Papu bought someone's company while he was flying on a plane. <laughs> like, he was flying on a plane. He struck up a conversation with a guy. Cut a deal. The guy talked yeah. about how he had a business that wasn't doing well. And it was, like, in line with what he was doing. It was, like, another, like, yeah. pen company or something like that. And he literally bought his fucking company on the plane. I can believe that. And she was like, so he owns a pen company now. Yeah, you know, and if he makes it work, yeah. So it just so she came from some money. Her her old man was a executive at Citibank in Athens. Dude, you get know? the fuck out of so, here, dude. My ex's dad worked at Citibank, but he was Italian, but yeah, still worked at yeah, Citibank. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a big fucking massive company, employs fucking probably hundreds of thousands of people across the globe. So, um, and I'm know, sure they're in the same like pipeline of like Freemason type shit. We're like, who knows? The same I mean, people. It's like I'm nepotism kidding. type stuff. We're like, yeah. the, the same class of people are in line for those jobs. Yeah. Like, you know, like you ran, but you don't fill out an application and get a job at Citibank. Yeah. And you have to check the boxes off. You have to get an education. It's very much a pipeline. So, so the, yeah, this woman was a uh, graduate from the London School of Economics. Oh yeah, number one. Number one in her class. That's like one of the smartest. P- could, would you could, would you say one of the smartest people in the world? Well, statistically, well, Karl Marx went to the London School of Economics. This is Karl Marx. You know what I mean? Like it produces minds, like very smart people, like 
mind, people who change things. Captains of industry go there and stuff. It, it, it is up there with Harvard, University of Chicago, Princeton, Yale. It's one of those schools. And in a particular class, economic history, number one, spoke three languages. Greek, French, English. All the class taught in English. Yeah. She was uh, 21 years old. I was 28. So she was considerably younger than me. She was really good looking. Her and Rachel Kelly were the best looking girls in the, in the program. Well, just because we were in the same building, we'd go to class together all the time because it was just convenient. Well, you know, other people in the class noticed that and were like, who's this guy with the two women? You know, it was like, whoa, you know. And so I know this one guy in particular, Ivan Chilyabev, who was from Bulgaria. He noticed that he befriended me. You, he, he, not, he noticed that I was Evie was the woman that I ended up choosing, which I should have gone with Rachel because she was just far cooler and fun. Uh, but uh, Evie I, was beautiful, and I was just really enamored with her physical beauty and her intelligence. It was like, oh my god, this woman's like the real deal. Uh, and I professed my attraction to her. Total mistake. Total mistake. Absolute amateur, immature move. Total mistake. Just like she thought you were friends, was totally off guard. But also, by it. but and like, <clears throat> or was it like humiliating? Oh yeah, she. Why are you telling me right. this? Right, that's the uh, worst. I mean, just like, I mean, like, just did not. Yet no at the same sold time, you. She no sold you like a fucking jobber. Oh yeah, and, and, she wouldn't do business. Yeah, and it was just like holy sh. I mean, you seem to be getting the jokes. You know what I mean? Like. You seem to like. I love what that's to say, your go-to, you know? and I've noticed that with all of when you talk about a relationship yeah. that didn't yeah. work, you're like, yeah. she laughed at my jokes. I, well, isn't that fundamental? I mean, if you, yeah, she, if she ain't getting their sense of humor, right? It, it's the, that, that's that's one of the three elements. I think you know, it's it's like one of the important ones. You know, so whatever. Misread the sign. I had never done that in my life. I mean, I, I've whenever I've gone in to kiss a woman, it's always worked out. And I've sucked some face in my life. You know, <laughs> this is the only woman, the only woman that pushed me away a Heisman Trophy. Are style. you a master like, at that too? Oh my God! I'm that, that, that's the first time it's ever happened. Only time it's ever happened in my life. No you know? sucking face. Oh, I'm a good kisser, very good kisser. I've, I've been told up. that multiple. I've been told that multiple <laughs> times by several women. Jenna Cook said it was an, an amazing it. kisser. Prove it. Big boy. <laughs> so Look at it, you uh, sitting there with your black socks on. <laughs> I'm wearing white socks. I'm the bad guy. You're the good guy. Who's going to be the top or the bottom? No, so I. You know uh, what's weird is you have like a louder personality than me. Yeah. But I'm probably the more problematic of the two of us. <laughs> like I say. I talk about putting the dicks in the vaginas. <laughs> well, yeah, you always get podcast. dirty and perverted. But, I mean, I know. say some semi-racist things. I said fag once on this podcast. This episode, I said it. You did? I didn't even catch it. When um, I made fun of Scott Wolf's fucking gay tard son. Oh, oh okay. So, <laughs> so my point is... <laughs> queer singing choir shit? So, I'm, uh, so, I mean, I profess my... Tra- and, she, and at the same time, I had befriended her, and I thought we were going to go somewhere... Ivan Chelyabev, he befriended me. Fucking Ruski. He, he, he befriended me. And, and of course, I told him I'm into this chick, which is like such a poor strategy. Don't just, just, you got to just know when to shut up, which is, is work for me. Well, it's yeah. work for me. You got to just know when to shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck yeah. up and go in for the kill. Yeah. You got to, yeah. when you, the, the nature of dudes, when yeah. you let someone know you're into somebody, I think just the pack mentality, they're going to go after them. Yeah. Or try and sell you to the point where they're also flirting with them. Oh, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. So we're like, hey, yeah, I'll yeah. go wingman for you. And oh, then, absolutely. And then, like, dude, you're and, talking and, and too sneaking much. sneaking in and sneaking in. Yeah. You know, and he ended up, they ended up dating. They ended up dating. 
you know. And so, and she lived in the apartment above me, and I could hear him fuck. Oh. And also, also there was another. Was he loud? Did he dominate her? No, no. But there was another. Also, there was another building. What close did you to hear? Us? The bed banging. Yes, absolutely. Headboard. You know, you could hear it. You know. Also, there was a woman involved. There was a whole other lesbian element to, to it too. But but did you whack it to the bed? So bedding? I had my my door my window open and uh, I could hear her talking shit about me. Oh, like really, and I mean like talking very strong shit about me. Like not yeah. just like oh he's annoying like like oh disrespecting oh, like, you. Oh, and just like oh, and he's so immature and tells this stupid story about and he does not. Uh, Fuck me like I, you do. I, I mean, just and just like I mean, well, I I, I didn't even get to that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I, you didn't see, you didn't prove you didn't show her your masterful I, box eating. I, 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 I'm gonna reveal this too about myself. Whenever I've fucked a woman and she's ended up like getting you know get, you know you think it's because you didn't move in quick. No, no. Whenever I when I have fucked a woman and she's broke up with me, I'm always like, ah, eh, I had sex with you. You know, so you saw something in me. <laughs> Right, so I couldn't have been all that bad. I won you know? a couple I mean, battles. You know, it's not all. You know, it's not so. Yeah. But at that time, I still didn't have the experience. See, I thought I had the experience level, but I didn't have it, and it was like it brought me back to an era of like, of being feeling very immature and being very like exposed. And I'm in grad school. It's very stressful and difficult, challenging program. Uh, I had class about twelve to fifteen hours a week. I had fifty hours of homework a week. <sighs> 50 hours and that's just like research that, 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 shit, that's right? just normal like, like assignments they were always due on Monday you had three classes a quarter it was very structured three classes a quarter very professional and you always had assignments and this is grad school so you're done with math it's, it's, you're you're going to school for what you want to go to oh, school but, but for but it's also high end like stats and, and regression analysis a lot of uh, economics being involved you know there's some very number qua- very quantitative <gasps> versus qualitative so very challenging all the assignments were due at 9, 9 a.m on Monday morning so your weekend was just spent doing work your weekend was really like and uh, you were also doing comedy too what comedy saved my life if I didn't have the outlet of comedy I, I don't know what I would have done I broke out in hives in graduate school here's another thing that sucked about it is that it was very much about collaborative effort they would put you into teams 70 person school like program so small program and you got randomly put into teams. So whenever there was like, oh, you got to do this group assignment, you guys were assigned people. I was like, she's going to be in my group. She's going to be in my group. And one time I got fucking Ivan in my group, you know, four months after this had happened. And we had Isn't to collaborate. Isn't it wild how you know? things like that? Because that's also something that would stress you out like in fourth grade. Oh, yeah. Like when your teacher's pairing up people for a science project. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, you're with Claire. And you're like, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's weird how shit like that. Like, you'd think you'd be mature enough. Like, I'm in fucking grad school. I mean, ultimately. And you'd think you'd be above, like, matching up with an ex or some dude who fucked one of your girlfriends. But it, no. it doesn't. It lingers, dude. I, I mean, I can manage it better than that, I think. You know, I mean, I could deal with it. We were just professional and got the work done. And I had to give the presentation on the regression analysis. I was always the spokesperson of the group. I had to go up and talk for an hour about some boring yeah. topic. Because you know what's weird? Whenever I think about past relationships and, like, yeah. When I think about their current situations, the men are never in it. Like when I think of my ex, I I see her Instagram and she's always posting pictures of her kid. And like just in my head, that's like I don't think about him. Hmm. Like and I think that's just the male instinct to just be like, no, I'm over her, but still fuck you. Like, but I'm over her. Oh, being kind of pissed. (laughs) You still suck. But yeah, like I'm I'm, really I'm over this, but you still kind of suck. Yeah. So like I'm not gonna like I don't care about you. 
Yeah, I remember I brought that up with Ivan. I'm over so, her, yeah. not you. Like yeah. The thing. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That's a good point, actually. I never thought about that, but that's a good point. So so that happened. I was in grad school, very challenging. Uh, not making money was very poor. One of the times I was flat broke. I've been flat broke three different times in my life, and that was one of the times. So it's kind of a triple whammy. Difficult program, got my heart ripped out, have no cash. You know, I'm breaking out in hives. You know, while well, I'm doing stand-up at that time, a buddy of mine, Dave Balutansky, I'm, I'm still you know, cordial with. I text him every once in a while. Just like an open micer. No, no, yeah, but he was a very, very good comedian. He did the elevated. Oh yeah, we were very much part of the original crew of that, and he, he got, he did like Friday late night and stuff, and he had some, oh, that's he had a some show. TV, that was like TV a late grads. show. Very good. That writer. show for people to give a reference to it. Late Friday was uh like on at two in the morning, like what the show, the spot Carson Daly had from like midnight to yeah. one. That was your late Friday spot where they would play like. A compilation of comedians. They do like six minutes. Greg sets. Proops would host it and shit. Yep. They had some names, and they and even that would be like your comedy nerd shit. Like I remember I saw Blaine Capatch go up yep. there. Like a lot of the alt comics that like got early shots. Yep. A lot of those alt comics that rode the because late Friday very much was in yep. the crest of the comedy boom. Yep. Well, I mean, I don't know if there was really a boom then. I can tell you what's no, a lot better No, I mean, now. it was like the remnants of it. It was like when the wave splashed. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the wave was over by like 94, 90. Right when I started, the wave was truly over. But but it, it, but anyway, with that's a um, good time to start though. Oh, absolutely, because I, I did my own thing, and it was it was. There's I, no I, pressure. I, I also didn't. There's know really no any, one good around you. I mean, there's no. It, it's it wasn't that popular. There were fifty fucking comics in Chicago. Fifty. That's it. You all know the clubs all. had closed down by that point. <laughs> there were zanies. That was it. E- even the improv closed down. As did the Funny Firm, which were Funny Firm was a big club. I guess also I mean, in the Richard 80s, Lewis, I think, recruited a fucking. In or, the eighties, there used to be there. one. My dad said called the Comedy Cottage. Oh too. yeah, yep. Because my dad used to go there all the time. The, the, I mean, a lot. There were still some suburban clubs that made it. There were like Barrel of Laughs, or as Dwayne Kennedy called it, Barrel of Bigots. <laughs> yeah, Barrel replete, replete I did with a bigots. Open like a Barrel of Laughs when I was young, young, like seventeen. Oh yeah. And then the first I went up there time, a couple times. First I time I, I went up was at Riddles when it was in Tinley Park at D Ray. I went da- up there at D Ray Davis's open mic. I, I I had a good set there too. It was the first times. time I ever went up. I did not have a good set. I froze. Yeah. Some big fat black comic cheered me on. Like, <laughs> I remember just doing it was the goal. Hey, uh, you, do you know how many people have not just done it? You know what I mean? Like, you, you've got to do it. If you're going to, if you're thinking about it, you have to just get up there and, and break remember the seal. And I I said I was 17 on stage and they booted me. Like, I remember <laughs> I saw the guy go over to my friends. Oh, because you were, because it was a. Because I said, yeah, you have yeah. to be 21. And they were like, you have to go once your friend's off. Jesus. So. Because I said, yeah, cult. So yeah, I uh, I got my heart. Well, Dave Balutansky, Dave Balutansky, had, had it was engaged to this woman, Molony. Molony, I liked her. I liked Molony. We were all in our late twenties. Twenty, I was probably I was probably twenty eight still. Twenty eight, twenty nine. Oh, and, you probably so want to be done with school at this and, point. And, and, and you know, it's a two year program. And that first year was like I remember when I when I went back to the, to school the second year, the first day I broke out in hives because I was so stressed about having to go through it again. Uh, finished that first year. And I was in a bad headspace. I mean, I was, and this had happened. I had been, I had held on to this, Keith. I had held on to this for like six months. Like it was a six monther. You know what I mean? Where you was really crushed. You know, well, Dave was engaged to Molly, you know, and they were going to get married. Molly was like, I don't want to marry you and broke off the engagement. And they had been dating for like three and a half, four years. Yeah. Like it was, it was a long term relationship. And he got crushed by that. 
Well, she was part of this group called the School for Exceptional Living, which is this kind of est or forum type organization where you had like little group therapies. It was group therapy. They had different groups, like women's groups, men groups, sexual abuse survivors. Liars Anonymous was a group. They also had a thing called a transformation lab. Did they like meet in one building and just yeah. branch off? Yeah, they, they had like several rooms in one building, you know. Um, oh, it, it was downtown. It was on East Ohio. So they had like a floor. And it was this couple that met at Wheaton College, very Christian. And they were, uh, I don't know, it, 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 was, it was interesting. They, they were certainly complex. They weren't idiots. They weren't fools. But there was, uh, there was something a little off about the whole thing. But... Uh, but, you know, my friend Molony, basically, my friend Dave was like, oh, I'm going to prove to you that I can change and win you back. So I'm going to go and join this group that you're part of also. You know, so he joined it and tried doing this, what they call a transformation lab. That was the most intense of the groups they had, where you were, like, assigned certain assignments during class and certain roles. And it was the idea of trying to get you kind of to get you to get over your hangups and sort of your weak, perceived weaknesses and to toughen you up and make you more kind of, frankly, kind of combative and toughening you up for like chasing and pursuing your dream. You know, uh, almost all the people in there who were going through some sort of bad experience got fired at a job, death of a relative, going through a divorce. Yeah. You know, some horrible bad, you know, like a, like a tough experience. Which is like the initial signs of culty type shit. Absolutely. They're always... Going after people bouncing back from something. Exactly. No one joins a group when they're like killing it. No one's like, yeah. I'm making $200,000 a year. So, and I fucking, I'm a part of this group that fucking prays. Well, well, what's interesting about it too, though, uh, is that there were millionaires in the group. That's one of the things I found out. What is it? You know, so they use that as like a selling point too. Well, of like, we're not, bit. we're not weird, successful people like us too. Yeah, well, exactly. That's part of it. But also, when you hear about them talk about their issues, I swear to God, they're exactly the same as yours. So this whole myth that's been put out, that's latched onto by our culture, that when you make a shitload of money, oh, everything's better. It's like, yes, the financial anxiety is better, and that's a good thing to get rid of. You're still resentful of your mom and dad for things they did did to you. You've still been hurt in some way. You're still a mess up, a fuck up you know it's like there's no correlation between people with money and happiness it just is not the case here's what they say they say people who go from poor to middle class that they actually are happier people go from middle class to rich not that much happier people go from poor to rich not that much happier because you, there's an expectation of taking care of a lot of people and it's like and, and you don't want to handle your money you can't handle yeah it. you just poor to middle class People are happier. That's what needs to happen in this country. There actually needs to be a, de- a redistribution, and a lot of the poor folks just got to get well, fifteen or twenty grand more a year, and they're going to be a hell of a lot more satisfied. Is a good enough discrepancy to like? It's a noticeable difference from how you were living. Yes, and it's maintainable. Yes, to where like it's nice and quiet. To where I feel like poor to rich, you're going, you're bringing a lot of problems yeah, into with a lot of money. Yes, which is. Almost always a bad combination. You have not, you don't have the, I don't know, the, the perspective. I don't say maturity, the the skill yeah. to just like deal with it. So going from poor to middle class usually means you've worked your way up through some sort of business chain. So that means you're disciplined. And that's why I know for myself, from have been poor and then actually getting a real job. I noticed I was happier. I noticed that. That did help. So I get that. But if people think, oh, you're rich, there are people who are worth five, six million dollars in this group 20 years ago, like a lot of money. 
a lot of money now. Uh, they they still had they were pissed off about shit their mom did to them when they were thirteen and years you old. Said they would because what brought it up is, you said they would have like cry sessions. Yeah. So here's the deal. Well, there were certain roles, and it was the idea of like everyone has to be their honest self. If you have a judgment, you make a judgment of what's going on. Like you don't hold. And anything it could be back. like I think your shirt. I hate your shirt. Why today. are you putting your feet towards me right now? Look at your dirty socks. Don't you do laundry? Like whatever your impulse, like you know what I mean, like something like that. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm, not, I'm just saying that as an. That's not, what the. It's just like that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, we're yeah, completely this, honest. Here. Yeah, yeah. We're never gonna. You know, it made me realize a certain degree of superficiality. You need to lie. You need to lie. Is, or, or just lying. Withholding is not the same thing as lying. Someone told me you know? someone had something in their teeth. That's why I get mad when someone was like, "Why didn't you tell me I had something in my teeth? Like, why would I tell you that?" Like, yeah. isn't it nicer that I just pretend like you don't, that I treat you like someone who isn't a fucking slob with fucking lettuce in their teeth? Well, I always, I'm always like, isn't it more embarrassing if I'm like, excuse me, you have food in your teeth right now. Like, that doesn't seem nice to me. <laughs> well, to me, you can say, I can be like, hey, I'm always like, hey, listen, man, you get some food in your teeth. I always, I can do it under my breath. You know, like I'm, I'm doing you a solid. You know what I like, mean? Like, I know a lot of people who will tell you like, hey, man, your breath smells right now. Yeah. And I'll be like, thanks, but. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I came right from work to doing this. I've been drinking coffee all day. Like, drink water, dude. Sorry. Water's a good thing. It helps. Because that's why I don't have bad breath usually, because I drink a lot of water. But anyway, my point is, with um, with with this, you know, so Dave had done this for a couple months, and he was like, you should check it out. So I went to, like, a session, you know, and I was like, okay, you know, what the hell? You know, I'm in such a bad headspace right now. It's like, what am I doing wrong where I'm so fucking unhappy, where women find me so fucking unattractive? I'm, I'm revealing something right now, you know, and just like, you know, where I, I, I'm that repulsive that you're going to talk that level of shit about me? I, I misread the signs. And another thing that was frustrating about this woman too was, you know, I quit talking. I was like, okay, I have to just cut this. Like, this is not healthy for me to be around this. So I was just like, I did not interact with her anymore after us being very close, like the first three yeah. months of grad school. And I remember months later, her like talking to me, hey, what's going on? And I just like, what you, what you said about me? You, 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 you called me immature, you know? It's, and, and it's like, that, I, I don't want to be around you. And she just like, like didn't remember, you know? It's well, just she like, didn't know you were listening. You know, well, yeah, well, exactly. But it's also like, yeah, but you know, you did say that and think that. So it was, yeah. it was a very like, you know, whatever. So, but, but my point is, so I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'm going to do this. So I was doing that while doing graduate school. And comedy. While being co- doing comedy and being a miserable, thinking like, oh, I could just do it all or something. I'm fucking 29 years old. You needed this cult. You know. So at it, the time. It, it, you know, yeah, I thought so. Did it for five months and it was a really bad experience. Like it was a really bad. And one of the things was if you, if you felt like crying or something was, something was happening, you played a role. Some people acted like little kids, like they're getting in touch with their little inner child, like a 45 year old person. Like, but I'm playing with toys on the ground. Like acting like a child and shit. You know what I mean? Like, and some, like one person was the assignment of rebel. How long did it take before you were like, this is weird. Well, I thought it was weird pretty much right away. And that's another reason why I beat myself up. It's like, trust your instincts and get the fuck out of it. You know what I mean? Like, no, if you don't feel comfortable with it, trust your instincts. This is not appropriate. You shouldn't be doing it, you know? So, but I was like, no, I'm going to tough this out and get through it. I'm going to, because you know something, I need to change my life. You know, this is the, uh, the way I was treated. I mean, it was a whole rationalization process. Instead of realizing, no, I'm just getting hurt more. This is not helping me at all i'm not improving my life 
they came after me. Oh my God! Did well, he said the leader me. was a dick, right? Well, the leader was a, the I mean, Grand Wizard or whatever well, he is. <laughs> but there was another. The two people who had it at the group. We call we're, we're called the lead magician. It it, <laughs> it was group therapy. Ten people, two facilitators, and the facilitators would intentionally needle people and stuff. They'd needle people and kind of and say like try to wrong foot people a lot and get them out of their comfort zone. So thinking like oh they're going to be supportive, you know like oh this happened when I was a kid and it just remind like a lot of it was like you know okay what ends up happening in these group therapy sessions is everyone turns into their mother or their father or their brother or sister in some way. So and, and like they get that dirt on you and they're like you're just acting like you do with your brother. Well, what's that mean? And, and they they would use like your sort of reveals to them kind of like, like when you didn't you say when you quit they were like this is just like you. You're a fucking quitter uh, like, oh yeah completely came after me completely you know you're nothing you're a yes man kiss ass you know you're you're a lightweight in this group you don't contribute anything i feel totally unconnected to you i mean it's because i also didn't want to reveal a lot of myself because i didn't trust these people you know what i mean so kind of went into a shell which maybe seems kind of the opposite of what i would be you don't booger cry adam Gloria's booger crying over there so so it was yeah but there was a few times and, and this happened in the group where Everyone, I'd say probably four or five times, I just burst into tears a few times, you know, and that happened. Like everyone in the group at some point had some trigger. Your Dawson Leary moment. And, and, and it was, but I was like, you know, and you would think like, you know, you would think like, oh, it's this release and, and, and now you feel better about yourself and ooh, there's a tension. And maybe for some people it does work out. I didn't really find that. And then, but then they said, well, then you have to go deeper. What does that exactly mean? Go deeper. What does that exactly mean? You know, it's like, no, this is my emotional experience. This is what I learned out of the cult, why it's wrong. There was like this Henry Ford production line to psychological health. Oh, if you do these, like, I kind of get 12-step programs. If you do these 17 things, it was an Adlerium-based psychology program. Ooh, you have these relationships, and you have to get through, like the rebel assignment was people who were very kind of meek had to basically be a rebel in a group, and how you graduated out of the assignment was you had to make the group stop functioning. So there was a group session i was in and someone set a lamp on fire they brought fucking huh. matches in and set a lamp on fire and shit it and was like and they were like good job yeah and, and, and like okay we'll put it because the group had to stop and they had to put the fire on but that was like okay you know you you, you, you graduated it. through rebel you stopped you know? the fucking meeting you know because yeah. because you have to and it was the idea of like giving you these sort one of one guy killed the guy <laughs> of giving you these emotional current like giving you these emotional kind of just tools. holding up a severed head like all right this julian severed head proves that you're a rebel well, the one thing they would, did say, too, if you have a feeling of sexual attraction towards someone in the group, you have to immediately basically get out of the group. Like, they, that was one boundary that they no had. No fucking. You know, but it the was... The fucking comes later. So so it was like, yeah, if they really get you. Uh, the whole, like, the crying thing, every person... I, I, was, I was kind of embarrassed by that. Like, I remember seeing some of these people just randomly on the street, like, eight years after I left the cult, and be like, God, I fucking wept in front of that person. But then I realized, well, everyone had done that, and was like, and it was... It was just not a healthy environment. Group therapy does not work for me. I got to go individual. Individual works much well, you better. You feel for more comfortable unloading. And also, but just like getting some guidance. I don't not, trust that the people in the group aren't totally judgmental. Oh, 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 oh no. They, they are, no, no. They say you are judgmental. Humans are a judgment, judgment factory. Say your judgments on everyone. Like I feel I like people do group therapy to be around people that have more problems than them. Well, like, I mean, I need to be in group therapy so I can feel better about myself. Well, it, look at this. Look at this bitch. She gets battered by her fucking <laughs> husband. I'm just here because I have fucking. I'm over a, a 
bitching about a boyfriend. What a horrible way to go through life if you actually think that way. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? Like where, where you need someone else to feel. It's like you are a sick human being. Schadenfreude. When you, yeah, when you actually have that in your soul. Like that, that that's a real bad characteristic where you actually get pleasure out of that or need to feel superior to someone. When and you I'm get sure pleasure that out of someone it. else's failure. I, or, I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it was that way, but I do, I, I do believe it was emotional manipulation, absolutely. There was some pretty hardcore mo- emotional Because there was no money changing hands. You weren't paying dues or anything. Oh, no, right? you absolutely you had to pay. So they were making money. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it was a scam. Yet they called themselves a school for tax purposes and shit. So it had this, this shady kind of underbelly to it that a lot of these groups have. You know, So a lot of the telltale signs were there, and I just didn't, the red flags that I should have known better, I just didn't pay attention to because I was in so much pain. You know, so when I look back on that, like that, that, that was a very intense experience. Like going through that was like I had that happen. Then I started getting stalked shortly thereafter. <laughs> and then all these deaths. Ha- like I had this like streak of time for about a good 10 years where it was like major shit was I got stalked for three and a half years. And this was in between you doing stand up. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You had moved from Milwaukee. Like, no, no, yeah, yeah, no. I, I, yeah. I was in Chicago. I, st- I was starting a career, starting a career. You know, uh, so the cult happened, and then you moved to Wisconsin and quit doing stand up. Well, no, no, the cult happened from in '99. I still lived in Chicago. I lived in Chicago from '94 to '06. Fucking Cubs sucked so hard in '99, dude. They went to the wild card in '98. Yeah. I was so I had expected so much. Kerry Wood blew his arm out yeah. in the first week of the season. And prior, and because Dusty Baker didn't know how to, because he was managing like it was 1977 Ugh. with the Dodgers. We'll just leave Tommy John, Doug Rao, Burt Hooten, and and uh, Don Sutton in for every for eight innings. Every it's like, come on, you are sitting on two extremely talented. Well, no, Pryor was later than that, but but Wood was an extremely talented pitcher, and he was not managed. Had Tommy well. John surgery? Well, he had. His mechanics were gross, dude. He had such a hard snap on his yeah. slider. His yeah. s- slider went from fucking oh yeah two to seven. Yeah, no, he he, he had a dev- it was a devastating. And he threw pitch. it like ninety five miles an hour. Oh yeah, no, he he was he was amazing. So, so. ninety nine was the call, and then and then I, was, I and then I started and then working. Deaths. Wait, well, yeah, I had to work. So I'm starting a career, which is that's, that's always the housing. That's work. Thing. Which I still do to this day. Someone Premise to your to your pilot, and, and, and exactly. Wait, when I was doing a different house, different side of housing before that, uh, the, the time period I'm writing about now is going to be 93 to 95, which got me into grad school. Uh, but anyway, I 99, and then so I uh, was starting my career, and then um, started getting I was doing stand up at this time, and then I started getting stalked in 01. That's when I started getting stalked was 01. That happened for four years, right? three and a half years until Dece- it was June of 01 to December of 2004. And then the summer of 2004, my nephew died. And then uh, uh, after that, God, there was another. It was another. It was another. When did Aspen happen? When did the Aspen, Aspen meltdown happen? 99, oh, 2000. So, the, dude, I bet you coming off that cult and that breakup and stressing about grad school had so much to do with you not succeeding. Yeah. That audition. Yeah. Even though, even though I had that was really probably, killed. That yeah. was probably the. Uh, pinnacle of like this is where the moment's gonna fuck you. Yeah, like yeah. you you've been having this shit happen and you've been dealing with it weird, but this is where the result of how poorly you've been dealing with your life is coming to fruition. Yeah, this yeah. is fate being like you fucked up, dude. Well, it, it was also kind of the culmination of the early phase of your stand-up career. 
you know, when, when you've been doing it for, I was doing it for six years at that point. And like, and I was a decent comic. I was a good comic. You know, I had some ability in there, you know, so, and, and then just not really knowing how to present myself or know, I would just handle it a lot different if I had the same opportunity today. You know, uh, I just would have a much more kind of optimistic, you know, I, I would embrace the anxiety, but also be like, hey, this is a good opportunity. I would have a much better, healthier attitude. You also said it. you thought you were the shit a little too much. Yeah, yeah. Like I, you I, went in being like, I got it. And just like thinking, oh, yeah, well, I, you know, I because I, my audition, I mean, and there are certain sets of stand up and I look back on and I'm sure you have them, too, where it's like where you really fucking connect, like you really break through set. I had some sets where, I mean, and that was one of those sets I've had when I look back, and there's really just a handful of them where it's like, oh, I'm as funny as anyone I've ever seen. Like, you know, I'm feeling like Eddie Murphy and fucking Raw right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just really killing. Well, killing. Well, when I did my audition at the, at the Old Town School of Folk Music for the Aspen Comedy Festival, it was one of those auditions where it was like, and it made perfect sense as to where I was at as a, on a developmental scale as a, as a comic. You know, where when you first start doing it, it's just about getting up on stage and just like, you know, it's it's nerve wracking. You're hyper alert. You, I would notice someone's cough in the audience and see a speck of dust go across my perspective. I, oh, I got a little bit of cotton mouth. Oh, that shoelace is slightly untied. And when untied. you're coming up and everybody knows you're coming up, failing is almost funny. Yeah, so like yeah. The, if you if you do deal with it poorly, like there's no repercussions of it. Yeah, you and know, at some point, I feel like you have to have a moment where you're like oh i have to deal with this like yeah i have to be a professional right now and like <clears throat> i can see someone's cell phone glowing but like i've just got to ignore it right yeah now. I yeah I, I got uh, yeah and you just plow through it you yeah. just you just know what your act is and you just do it and you, and you just roll with it but you know when you're first young it's very for a couple of years it's very overwhelming but if you fight through that newness and you keep going up on stage and you keep writing jokes and i had a routine you know, I was working, but I also was doing my stand-up at night. P-U-S-S-Y, baby. My, my opener. You know, I, I had... <laughs> I love that joke. I haven't told that joke in a long... I should do that again. But uh, I... um, <laughs> I, I And I had that first good, like, 12 to 15 minutes where it's really polished. P-U-S-S-Y, Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love. I, still, I, do Shakespeare, I told Shakespeare in Love at, at Flappers. What else And I got, a, I got a fucking, I got Jun- a round of applause. Junior said you had a bit about VCRs. What? No, I, I had a, <laughs> I had a bit that I want to I bring back now. It's about uh, porno mags and porno mag uh, pitch titles. And I'm just like, listen, <laughs> the access to porno. I wanna you got to do it. websites though. You can't be talking about porno mags. Well, exactly. No, exactly. I'm saying, listen, you have such access to it now. It's so easy. When I was young, you had to earn it through a magazine. Do they even make porn magazines now? Very. I mean, br- yeah. Is it like truckers? Who's your audience for it's a porn? It's hardcore mag? pornography too. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's like gaping <laughs> pussies. Yeah, it's it's not it's. <laughs> So I remember like you don't know if it's magazines. you don't know if it's a vagina or the back of someone's throat. <laughs> but the whole <laughs> that's a hilarious image. But the whole like the way they tried to portray themselves is like it was all because Playboy still had a ripple effect and like Playboy tried to portray itself as being sophisticated like hey you're a Playboy, you live in a penthouse, you're a hustler, you're a member of high society. But as you got like down the chain it was just like these magazines were so rough and they and they're, and they're 
pitch titles on High Society was uh, bust your nuts on our butt sluts. You know, and I have a line about that where I'm like, is there any expression more sexist and harsh than busting a nut? I don't think about love. And that was like a bit that I had, too, that would kill. I, I, I remember oh, killing dude, my on that. Emb- my generation embraced busting a nut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because the expression of busting a nut is like, hey, I busted one off. I don't think about love. I, don't I probably about- know some guys who have for real, like, actually been having intercourse with a girl and being like, where do you want me to bust? bust? Yeah, yeah. Where do yeah. you want me to bust? Like, in the moment? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm taking it out. Where do you want me to pour I wouldn't even... All over it's, it's polite you to ask. I just did it where I did it. I didn't really ask permission to can be honest. You can do it like a kid with autism. Where should I ejaculate? Come on to you. <laughs> so my point is, is... Uh, that was one of my jokes. I also had a bit white man's burden, the pressure to succeed, was one of my very first closer. Like, I'm under a lot of pressure in, <laughs> to succeed. I'm white, I'm straight, and I'm male. I was woke in 1994, you know? You could still do that. Absolutely, I could. It's You know what's funny? Th- that's what's so hilarious. For the the flag, issues haven't changed for at For the flack people give you, your act is pretty timeless. I know, dude. Like, there's something to it. It's not, it's not, I can go back to my old jokes because there's a personality and they're actually kind of funny, you know? Like Like I said, the reason it was off putting is because you were writing these jokes and you were 32. About what? About like uh, you were just bitching about all this stuff, and you were twenty seven. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like people yeah. were like, "Dude, you're fucking. <laughs> why are you? You like I always say, I say this all the time. You had to you become pre- the old man. You had to become a bitter old man for it to make sense. <laughs> That's hilarious. You've always your act has always been you being a bitter old man, and yeah, now exactly. you're actually a bitter old man. <laughs> so it's I, I but some of those jokes. I told Shakespeare in Love, and I'm going to be honest with you, man. I told it Flappers, and I remember my, my, a coworker of mine was there, and he's like, dude, that was a funny joke. It's like, I wrote that thing in 1998. That thing got a round of applause in a cold room. I mean, that room, was, and then there were like four comics well, that before also, me. That helps, too, that it takes 10 seconds to explain. If people don't know, you could be like, oh, there's this movie Shakespeare in Love. Well, exactly. I'm just like, yeah, I flipped through the channels the other day. And I was Isn't Cameron Diaz people. in that movie? No, no, it's, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. That's my line. Yeah, I always mix them up. Because my, my idea is, no one, the reason I don't like period and piece Jim movies. Jim Caviezel and shit. Is that you know, no one looked that good back in 16th century England. Yeah, they Nobody, yeah, no, Do you think William Shakespeare looked like Joseph Fiennes, the actor who portrayed him? Bad no. breath, pubic hair getting into the thigh area. Yeah, just, but uh, yeah, he was like, he was five foot six, weighed 138 pounds, had tobacco spittle hanging off of his beard, and died at the age of 38 from gout. You know, he was not. But Shakespeare is in love. Oh, Shakespeare! So that's what I did, and I acted out, and it gets a laugh. You know what can I say? There you know, you go. I mean, I've been enjoying the act, but but the cult. That's just a little bit of the cult. There's a hell of a lot more. That's just the tip of the iceberg. But I think it's for future episodes. Let's do that it. That should be a theme because Let's bring it back. I mean, I had a couple weeper. I probably wept. I'd say doing that cult. I mean, wept five times once. Good saw weep once a month. But I did not find it to be this great release of like stress or you know. For some people, maybe I think it might work. I do. I, I believe that, but for me, I don't know. And I'm, I not, find I, I'm not a person who's like I'm not in touch. Like somehow, if you weep, you're you're, you're a, a weak or something. No, there are times it's appropriate to cry. Dude, every my mother now and died. Again, Guess what? I cried when my mom died. You do know? you know when it That's comes out for me? Like I'll listen to music and it'll make me think of something, and I'll like, I'll drop a couple. I'll get like choked up, and then I'll choke it back, which is probably unhealthy. But there are moments where I was like, I probably. There's multiple points throughout the week where I'm like, I should probably cry right now. 
God, like I, I really feel I mean, like yeah. I need to. We well, see, and this is part of the theory of the cult was that being in your emotions like that, it, it's aliveness. You're actually a living human being because their theory was is that most people were about two to five years old emotionally, which I think is probably true, you know. But I didn't necessarily think that their method was the appropriate way to sort of mature you know it's it's like in the idea of like so if you were really angry i mean i also saw people getting like you fucking come in here and you're fuck i mean top of their i mean like woody hayes chewing out a fucking offensive lineman who's blown an assignment three games in a row you know during a film session i mean like football coach drill sergeant yelling like that shit would go on too you know so it was just like all volatile all over the place or someone of giddy i mean it was like it was just very it was an i don't know it was just uh, bad experience I didn't like it I did not like the experience at all I didn't think it was a healthy experience uh, when I look back on it I, I think there was a few things I took from it and gleaned from it that were helpful but most of it was just a bad experience so yeah. I was in a shitty headspace for a year and a half after that year well and that's also a testament to how terrible of a cult it was because you were primed and ready to roll and they couldn't suck you in yeah <laughs> yeah and they didn't come after me after I left and I remember my buddy Dave to this day and I've seen him like I, I did stand up at a show he did in New York about eight nine Does the years group ago. still exist oh yeah I've looked it up I looked it up online last week I want to just look it up I hadn't thought about it in a long time and yeah it still exists um it's on Ohio East Ohio they like kind of near north side of Chicago you know, um, and Bob and Judith Wright are the people who run it. And there's a couple of their, like, they're not even licensed psychologists. And, I mean, Bob and Judith are, but the people who are their minions, they're not even licensed. They've just gone through the program. Uh, you know, and I'm just like. They're uh, like their levels at the right levels. I, I don't, yeah, it's, it's like fucking, it's like. A, Scientology. It's a, Scientology, you're a fucking Sea Org. You've graduated or a cardinal or a fucking deacon. You know, it, it's yeah. the same kind of, and I just. Don't respond well to that. And so, but when I look back on it, I remember for a long time, I was like, like for the first couple of years, I was like, I felt so embarrassed. Friends of mine were like, we were really worried about you, man. Right. Yeah, you know, they were like, we were really worried about you, you know, and close friends, people I'm still friends with to this day. Who were like, we don't want to say anything yet. Yeah, but, but it's like, ooh, we, we, we were fucking worried about you. Because you probably while. had to go to multiple, this was like an obligation of your time. Oh, it was every Monday night. And then you had to do two week, we'll do the weekend retreats. Oh, that'll be because next week. they're very good. That's a great place to end it. They're very good. So anyway, thanks for listening, people. Appreciate yeah. that. This is Adam Crocious. Subscribe, rate, review, follow us on social media. I'm at Keith Pazel. He is at Insecure Comic and at Adam Crocious on Instagram. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.